This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Welcome to the PwC-KWHS podcast series for high school educators on business and financial responsibility. I'm Diana Drake, Managing Editor of Knowledge at Wharton High School, and today we are talking about the economic value of higher education and how to help students prepare for managing college costs and debt. During our discussion, we will traverse the rugged financial landscape that surrounds higher education. Students are faced with ever-rising tuition costs, staggering student loan debt, a difficult job market, and the inevitable question, is college worth the investment? I'm here today with two experts who will help us sort through these important issues and offer high school educators some practical insights and advice to help their students make more informed decisions about their financial lives after high school and on college campuses. This is part four of our four-part discussion on the value of higher education with Wharton Management Professor Peter Capelli and PwC partner Michael Denizuk. Here, we explore whether college is worth the investment. Will it pay off? Okay, I'd like to move on now to this question around the worthiness of the college investment. And will college pay off, which happens to be the title of Peter's new book. Um, In this perfect storm of the past several years of soaring costs, rising student debt, and shrinking job prospects, is college worth the investment? Mike, you want to take that one? Well, certainly from my standpoint as a, uh, a partner in a large accounting firm, um, we would only hire college students, and we generally only hire college students from, you know, from colleges that are, uh, uh, that are well known for, uh, for, for graduating good accounting students. And so uh, I still believe college is a worthwhile investment you know, with the appropriate planning and and at the front end, as we've discussed in this webcast, you know, we talked about the fact that millennials with college degrees make an average of $17,000 or so more per year than peers with high school diplomas. And, and part of that might be, again, the, uh, um, the fact that uh, they've gone four more years. But I think that it's important uh, that this education pay gap has, has actually widened since uh, Generation X. And and, you know, you talk, Peter, about maybe that reversing. I don't know. You, when you think about this being, you know, less of a manufacturing economy and more of a service economy, I wonder whether it, it will reverse and, and whether that pay gap will continue to widen. Um, and on average, within 11 years, um, you know, higher earnings and lower unemployment rates more than make up for the cost of a, of, of a four-year education. There was a, a study done by the, a co- the College Board nonprofit organization that showed that uh, within 11 years that uh, generally you, you could uh, the, the higher earnings and lower unemployment rates and made up the, the cost of that education. And, and according to a report by Georgetown University, uh, it's projected that nearly two-thirds of job openings for workers will require some college or better uh, going forward. So, you know, again, it's, I think there's going to be more and more demand for college students, and, and I think it's going to be important. You know, the, the, you, think, you think about money and you think about uh, getting jobs, but uh, people with college degrees tend to keep their jobs during recessions and, and, and tend to have lower unemployment rates over time than those with just a high school degree. And furthermore, um, it's important to look beyond, you know, the financial compensation to measure, measure the benefits of college education I mean, studies show that people with more education are in better health, their children are in better health, their marriages are more stable relative to people, people with less education. So those are factors that, you know, go beyond the, the financial piece that uh, you might want to consider. 
Well, I guess I'm not as sanguine as, as Mike on this. I don't think there's any guarantee that uh, there's nothing written up high that says college has to pay off. Um, and there's also the problem, as Mike was just illustrating, the difference between causation and correlation. So we know that college graduates do better on all kinds of things than high school graduates do. Uh, there's pretty strong reason to believe that would have been true even if they didn't go to college because they come from families that have more assets. They come from a different social strata in society. They come to college with a different set of values. Uh, so it's pretty hard to know, actually, uh, why it is that college graduates do better than high school graduates. One explanation is that they learned a lot in college that's useful, but another is that they came to college already with many more assets than the kids who don't go on to college. Uh, and there's also some evidence that maybe in college they're demonstrating something, as Mike was saying before, like the ability to work hard that causes them to be able to get a better job because they've demonstrated perseverance in a context where employers can see it. You know, I think if you look at the the jobs uh, we know right now, I wouldn't pay much attention to forecasts because the forecasts have proved to be incredibly wrong. But here's some counter evidence. Uh, 20 jobs, fastest growing jobs in the U.S. right now in terms of job openings and projected in the short run in the future, only one of the 20 requires a college degree. A third of roughly, the average American has roughly a third more education than their current job requires. The fact that U.S. college graduates have lower unemployment rates than high school graduates is because college graduates take the jobs that high school graduates would take when the economy is down, which is what's been happening now. And it isn't true around the world. If you look at China, for example, the unemployment rate for college graduates in China, the official rate is over 50 percent, and the unofficial rate is probably 75 percent. The unemployment rate for high school grads in China is 4%. What's going on there? In China, the college graduates won't take the jobs that the high school graduates take because they think it's beneath them. In the U.S., you know, we're willing to do it. Uh, the fact that college graduates make more doesn't answer the question of whether college pays off, of course. Whether college pays off means whether the investment you've made in college is going to earn a return, which is enough to at least pay off the investment you've made in it, and that doesn't appear to happen for everybody, even if it happens on average. As I said before, about a quarter of the colleges, actually the rate of return is negative. And it's certainly well below roughly the 7% or so many people have to pay in order to get to college in the first place because of student loans. So I think the reason that matters is you got to think carefully where you're going to go uh, because there's no guarantee that it will pay off. And the jobs which seem to really be great for college students now, the ones you hear so much about, like many of the tech jobs, are often boom and bust jobs. Like the hottest job in America last year was petroleum engineer, paid almost 50% more than the next highest paid job, paying like $97,000 a year for a college graduate. But kids poured into that field, and the market reversed because oil prices dropped, and that job is about to become a bust now. So the problem is it's really unpredictable, and because of that, you really have to think carefully about where you go, how you pay for it, and I think especially keeping your options open. Many people find over the course of their career they got to change directions a lot. Many people find even in college they change directions a lot. So I would think about keeping your options open as well as being a crucial issue in terms of 
determining whether this is going to pay off for you. So you mentioned the boom and bust of petroleum engineers. Can you talk a little bit more about that, how students can find out if their major in, say, psychology is actually going to pay off for them so they don't go down a path that ultimately prevents them from becoming employed and paying off the loans that were supposed to help get them a job in the first place? Yeah. Well, you know, there's been a huge shift over time in college toward vocational degrees. So liberal arts has shrunk to almost nothing. Uh, the biggest major in college right now is is business, which is three times, I think three times as many majors in business as the next uh, highest major. Um, so it is a very vocational f- uh, world now in terms of college. I think one thing you can do, as Mike was suggesting, is you can look back on the experience of other people in that field. So one of the things we know about engineering and IT, for example, which are currently the darlings of you know, job opportunities, they're boom and bust fields. Uh, And it's not just that engineering is hot or IT is hot. It's particular fields within IT and particular fields within engineering. And one of the problems of a specialty like petroleum engineering is that if they're not hiring in petroleum engineering, you're not going to do electrical engineering. You can't easily shift to some other field within engineering. So you want to think carefully before you go into a boom and bust field. And you also want to think past the first job to think about where will this career take me? Where will this degree take me? It could be, as in IT, that there are great opportunities uh, the year you graduate. But after about five years, we see in the field of IT incredible out-migration. That is, people leave the field to do other things. So it isn't a career that lasts very long. It lasts maybe five years for most people. And if that's the case, even if the first job pays really well, is that really a good position for you? So I think about as good as you can do is look at the track record in the field that you're trying to go into, look at it over time. But I would also say it's very important to be able to delay your career choice until as late as possible. So if you're in the IT field, for example, it's rarely been the case that generic IT degrees pay off in a big way. It's the case that very specific subfields pay off, and it's impossible to know those four years in advance. But it is possible to know one year in advance. So if you delay until the last year some of your more practical, very specific classes, there's a better chance you're going to be able to match up onto the market. And being able to delay your major choice until you get a sense of what the market is like is going to be much better. If there's only a two-year delay, you'll be much better off than if you were trying to pick your career when you're a senior in college, where it's it's almost impossible to tell what the market's going to be like five years into the future. Yeah, but I would say, Peter, that if you are are interested in IT, that getting an interest or getting involved in IT courses, even on a general basis, early on would be helpful because then you can, in your senior year, make that uh, um, change to something much, much more specific, and you've got all the background courses that you needed in order, in order to, to achieve that. Well, that's uh, probably true, and it's also true that most college kids now, parents might not know this, uh, graduate with a fair amount of IT experience anyway because they're using it in all their courses and for many employers that's what they're after so you might not even need an IT degree in order to get an IT job we forget that in Silicon Valley when it got started only 10% of the people working in Silicon Valley had any kind of IT degree and yet they built the entire IT industry 
Okay, so let's let's end on a question from a high school educator. Jean Paceman, a teacher at Centennial High School in Idaho, says she knows high-performing students who have been admitted to prestigious private colleges where they will have to borrow in excess of $25,000 per year in order to attend. In addition, these students also have generous merit scholarships to state schools. She wonders, is it worth taking on considerable debt in order to attend a prestigious college? Is it easier for students from prestigious colleges to get jobs? And are they hired at higher salaries than students who attend state universities? I'll start with that, and then we'll let Peter you know, add his comments. Um, there is a fairly high correlation between the reputation and rankings of universities and future earnings. So Ivy League graduates do quite well by both measures, with Princeton ranked, I think, sixth, and Harvard eighth in pay scales rankings on mid-career median salary. And um, graduates of top schools also argue that the network and contacts they make during college are the most valuable part of their experience, and that's something that uh, uh, you, you, know, you might not be able to get at a uh, community college and certainly not at a trade school. Um, and research shows that elite schools are more clearly appear to generate a worthwhile return on investment as employers are willing to pay higher salaries to those folks. Um, and then the, the, the more elite schools, on average, provide a broader diversity of experience, bringing in students from around the world in many cases as opposed to around just your community, perhaps. Uh, now, with all that being said, as someone who attended a state school, state university, uh, my view is that there are several affordable colleges and universities where you can get an excellent education and end up with an excellent and rewarding career. Um, according to studies, your choice of field matters more than your choice of college in many cases. And after controlling for ability, the earnings differences of graduates from elite and non-elite institutions are small at best. Uh, and any earnings advantage that may emerge over the long run is difficult to, to concretely tie back to the effects of one's college choice. So there was a, a Forbes contributor, Rick Smith, and I got a quote from him, and it kind of it kind of matched what I felt. And the quote is, in the end, perhaps it is ambition that ultimately points most accurately toward where you are headed in life. If you attend an elite school, you can take advantage of all that it offers. But if you do not but are equally ambitious, it seems you are not disadvantaged over the long term. Uh, anyone making a decision about education should consider not just cost and prestige, but also factors like career services, alumni network, expectations of the campus experience itself. So in other words, life is often what you individually make of it. If you're ambitious, you have initiative, and you work hard, you can be successful no matter what college you attend. Well, I think uh, it's probably a good point to remind ourselves that the college experience has a lot to do with things other than just getting a job. And uh, it might very well be that you're getting a bunch of stuff from elite schools, which are quite expensive, which you're not getting from cheaper schools, particularly state universities. And it's hard to put a dollar figure on that. One of the things that you do get that we talked about earlier is much higher graduation rates as people graduate on time. And, you know, people tend to report nice experiences from these places, which are, you know, nice to go. And that counts as something. Another thing we know is that it's difficult for students to do well when they're going to schools, which are not their first choices. And if they going to a school they didn't really want to go to, it's hard to get them motivated. And this isn't personal opinion. This is, you know, there's studies looking at these sorts of things. It is true, I think, as Mike is saying, there's uh, interesting studies that looked at 
students who were admitted to very elite schools who went to schools that were less elite, and then they followed them up afterwards to see how well they did just in terms of money, and there wasn't much difference. Now, you might say that that proves the issue that uh, it's really the selection into the colleges that matters uh, rather than what happens to the kids when they're there. Uh, another way to say it, I think, as Mike is saying, is that college is only one of many factors that affects your, your wages going forward. Uh, but there's some contrary evidence as well. There was some evidence done in the state of Texas that shows that uh, kids who graduated from the elite university in the Texas system, which is, frankly, UT Austin, um, did much better than their peers who graduated from other schools. Now, the problem there is that it is actually pretty difficult to control for ability differences because the colleges are selecting people based on all kinds of things which aren't easily measured by things like SAT scores. So it's a little tricky to make the decision. I think if you're worried just about money, uh, then you're probably not worth it to pay all, particularly to borrow money to go to an elite college. If you're worried about the experience and it's a place the kid really wants to go for all kinds of reasons that sort of make sense, then um, then it's a consumption decision. And I think for a lot of parents, college is about consumption. They're going to spend money on their kids one way or the other. They have enough money to pay for it. And if it's if that's the case, then maybe you could justify it. But it's a consumption decision rather than investment decision. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.